This is episode 47 of the Airport Experience News Podcast. My name is Ramon Lowe. I am the publisher of Airport Experience News and the host of this pod. So way back when I started this podcast almost a year ago, I wanted to make it about the people who change conversations and about the topics that may not yet or could eventually affect the airport experience industry. So if you've been listening, the last few episodes have been about cannabis and food, artificial intelligence and retail, machine selling coffee, food and retail products, etc. So in this episode, again looking forward, I cover autonomous vehicles with Will Baumgartner, and he is a principal with Arab's Intelligent Mobility Business in the Americas. Now, this was a truly interesting conversation because Well, autonomous vehicles have been in development for quite some time, probably even before I became really aware of them, you know, and uh, there have been applications in airports, but they've been in airports abroad. So are we going to see adoption here in North America? Who knows? So Will talks about the state of autonomous vehicles and how it's rapidly changing to really disrupt the transportation space. So here's my conversation with Will Baumgart. I'm here with Will Baumgartner, a principal with Arab's intelligent mobility business in the Americas. Uh, Will has over 20 years of multimodal transportation planning experience on site, campus, corridor, and regional projects. His practice is focused on the implications rapidly emerging uh, urban mobility trends and technologies on the transportation and property markets. He is advising public and private sector clients on the implications of autonomous vehicles, smart mobility, new modes of transport, shared use concepts, and technology-enabled mobility services and he served as a principal in charge for Autonomous Vehicles, a Horizon Initiative perspective paper on behalf of the San Francisco Bay Area Metropolitan Transportation Commission. So with all that, it's safe to say, Will, you're pretty qualified to talk about our subject today. I hope so. <laughs> well, I'm very confident. I'm very confident. It's, it's, it's a rapidly emerging world, and, uh, but it's definitely something that I'm very much focused on and um, in my background is in, in transportation planning and engineering traditionally uh, and it's a it's a it's an exciting time and things are changing really fast and we're doing working very hard to stay on top of it Excellent. so I, I gotta admit we're gonna be talking about autonomous vehicles and it was kind of triggered you know not by an episode of black mirror or something although that kind of brought it back to me a little bit but um, I was listening to uh, Kara Swisher's recode decode podcast on this very subject and I started thinking you know how can we apply this to my environment, which is the airports. So before we get into that, I know I gave a pretty good read of your background just now, but please uh, talk or give a little bit about um, maybe your history, what brought you into this space in particular. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, my background is actually in civil engineering and transportation planning and engineering is a sub is a sub area within within civil engineering. Um, so I've, I've focused on that my whole career and through grad school. And um, Pretty broadly, yeah. I do traffic engineering. I do public transit planning. I spend a lot of time working on on airports and uh, passenger terminal projects. I'm very interested in the interface between modes and um, kind of the user experience as well as the operational performance of those facilities. Um, but you know, the first half of my career, uh, I'm about halfway through my career. Uh, I've been doing this for a little over 20 years. Oh, I didn't um, want to date you at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. No problem. Um, I'm about halfway through my career, you know, assuming I don't get hit by an autonomous vehicle. Um, and uh, the pace of change in the first half of my career has been very, very slow. Things take a long time to change in the urban transportation space. Um, takes a long time to plan and build buildings, uh, roads, bridges. People's behavior changes pretty slowly. Vehicle technology has changed pretty incrementally. Um, but within the last 
five years, uh, there's been a, a radical shift. Um, we see all sorts of, of innovation happening and technology-driven innovation. Um, and it's really disrupting the transportation sector and across all modes. And it's created a really, really exciting period of change and uncertainty. And that, that's really um, excited me as a, as a professional in this area to see this industry going through a massive change and try to help people prepare for the implications because it starts to create a, a brave new world for us as we try sure. to plan for 20, 30 years in the future when we really have no idea what that's going to look like. Well, it's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned you said it, it, it takes a long time to build uh, to accommodate this type of technology. And that kind of almost runs counter to the, the, the lifespan of technology, right? Because, I mean, it can have the lifespan of, life, uh, lifespan of like a, a fly <laughs> in some ways, right? What, what's new can be outdated um, or obsolete in some ways quickly. So how hard is it really just to, like you said, you're planning 30, 40 years ahead, not knowing what that looks like. Um, is it like flying blind? Or, I mean, the pace must be uh, um, unreal. Yeah, it's not quite as bad as, as flying blind. I mean, we certainly know trends. Um, we see where things are going. And what we encourage our clients to do is to is to get in front of the technology and, and, and have it adapt to your needs rather than have the technology just be dropping on you. Um, so whether we're designing a city or designing a terminal, you know, create the place you want to create and force the technology to adapt to that. Uh, at the same time, we need to recognize that the physical needs of, of new technology could you know, change how we actually uh, build. So we're th we're th we're th we are spending a lot of time thinking about how we create more adaptable infrastructure that, you know, we, we can foresee that, hey, this, this parking structure maybe needs to transform into an office building in the future if we don't need parking, for example, or curb space that's allocated in a certain way now. There could be new ground uh, transport operators that you know we've never even heard of or have no idea what their what their business concept is um, could be flooding the market in three or four years just like just like Uber and Lyft did you know a few years ago so it, it's thinking about a little bit more thinking differently about how we how we plan and design um, and um, you know there is definitely a, an intense forward look that happens but also embracing that uncertainty and designing that designing uh, accommodation for that into the actual physical facility. Excellent. So before we get really into it, and this is, again, I'm pretty much a Luddite when it comes to things like this, you know, um, is there a difference between an autonomous versus a self-driving vehicle? Uh, they're similar. Autonomous is more of the, um, is, is a kind of broader and more technical term. And autonomy, autonomous or autonomy, you know, autonomy or autonomous vehicles, uh, there's a whole spectrum of how autonomous they are. Um, the Society of Automotive Engineers is, has kind of has the standard for this and they have six levels ranging from level zero, which is, you know, no automation whatsoever, uh, up to level five, which means the vehicle, uh, the vehicle is controlling all the, all the activity. The vehicle is the backup system in all environments. And so there's a number of steps between that um, that we use to classify where a specific technology is on that spectrum. Self-driving is a more, little bit more casual term. Really, um, you know, I, be I believe it sort of really started from Google um, in their, they called their self-driving program that and um, in a way to I think it make it a little more accessible, uh, a little bit more understandable to people. Um, so it's a bit more colloquial. It's also, um, 
interesting to think about the difference between self-driving and driverless. Driverless yeah. is, a tech, is one we're trying to really get away from in the industry because there's still a driver. It just happens to be a computer. So it, it, it's it, honestly, I think um, kind of might have been a year, a couple of years ago, like you were saying, when Google was developing this, I remember seeing the video, the YouTube videos of the mounting cameras on, I don't know, whatever car it was. And, and of course, you hear the stuff of, about cars that are just, uh, you know, like, like the video, the, the viral video of the guy in the Tesla who was like mm-hmm. asleep <laughs> and basically letting the Tesla drive him. But and it's, it, is it, are we at, past that point, I assume, um, on, on the stage of autonomous vehicles? We're very much in the middle of the development, um, and there's a lot of uh, details to still be worked out. I mean, especially in, in the in the urban environment, and we we can talk about kind of a controlled environment environment like inside a terminal or inside or on on an airfield, compared to you know a downtown urban street. Um, the level of complexity is quite different, and um, also you know is it a trained operator versus you know Joe Public, um, who may not may not be using the system as designed. So there's a lot of technical questions uh, still to be resolved. There's a lot of human factors questions. I mean, how do you take control back over and how do you do that in a critical period where you have very little response time? Uh, and these are these are issues that the autonomous vehicle industry is you know rapidly working on. But um, when you think of how complex the activity of driving in an urban environment is, um, to get a computer to do that right 99.99% of the time is a very tall order. So it's still, we're still at a point, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping over some things I was talking about, but you're, you're triggering a lot of great questions in me, at least uh, some curious ones. So we're still at a point where um, whatever is being developed now or is ex- in existence really is just taking instructions. You go from here to here, and that's it, kind of, correct? Well, it's beyond that. Um, it depends on the, depends on the application. Um, you know, certainly um, there is a lot of um, there's a lot of artificial intelligence going into these. So um, you know, there's the potential to have them you know dynamically to choose their route. You know, they're 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 not they're making decisions. You know, they're actively taking in contextual information. You know, whether it's radar, lidar, visual, you know, GPS. They're they're, they're locating themselves and having to make split second decisions about you know, just like a driver would. So that, that technology is really actually quite far along. It's just, how do you get it into, um, how do you get it to a point where it's, it's pretty much perfected? How do you make it work in, in, in a different environment? You know, how do you make it work in snow versus, you know, a dry street? How do you, you know, what level of autonomy do you have? You know, do you have to have the driver take back over in certain circumstances? And how do you do that? How do you, how does the vehicle interface with people you know, how does a, you know, right now, if you're crossing the street, you're not sure you make eye contact with the driver, you know, how do you, how does the driver communicate to a pedestrian that they see that they see that and it's safe to cross. Those are problems that are actively being addressed, but it's a, it's a, it's an example of a fairly simple ideal of, Hey, a car that drives itself, how complex that actually turns out to be. Hmm. So is it a matter of probably just initially giving it its own lane or maybe its own track uh, to follow, I guess, that kind of make sure this is identified as something that's truly unmanned and autonomous, right? So I guess there's two schools of thought there. Um, the urban driverless, sorry, I used the bad word, <laughs> the urban uh, self-driving or autonomous approach generally is it, it, it needs to have full control. 
uh, and it needs to go anywhere that a regular car can, at least within a geofenced area. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have extra lane space to give away to autonomous vehicles. Um, we, we don't, we, we can't build new lane space in most places for them. They still would need to be crossing in and out of mixed traffic. Um, sure. So, so, you know, the, the companies, uh, the most, you know, the most aggressive companies in the urban space, like, like cruise auto automation, they're del which is a, a subset of, there was like, they were accommodated by GM, I mean, uh, acquired by GM. They're deliberately testing in some of the most difficult environments. So, you know, like downtown San Francisco, because that actually helps their AI learn faster and they get more and more difficult situations at a much higher rate that they know they have to ultimately figure out how to deal with. So on that side of it, the, the sort of put them out on the public streets business model, it's 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 very much they need to be able to operate within the environment that exists today. No special signs, no special markings, no radio beacons, no magnets in the road, none of that stuff. That might help and yeah. speak entry in the long run, but they need to be able to operate where those things don't exist. The other uh, the other side of it is where you might be operating in a more controlled environment, like a factory floor, a mine, a farm. Um, those can be a bit more uh, straightforward. Um, and there's fewer conflicts and, un, and, and, and unusual circumstances that you have to design for. Sure. So I, I joked earlier that I remember watching an episode of Black Mirror. I think it was a self-driving pizza truck. And I vaguely remember, uh, I think it's Pizza Hut or Domino's creating a, a pizza truck that would, uh, you know, do these deliveries. I don't know how far along they got with that. But is there an example of how any of this can be used in airports? I'm sure there are. Um, but I, again, we're, we're dealing, as you know, with a secure environment with uh, different types of complexities, not more complex than the downtown or maybe within the terminal, but obviously a lot of sensitive areas. So knowing that this is a very secure nature, of, uh, knowing that it's a very secure uh, environment in airports, what can the uses be really? I mean, off the top of your head. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. There's a, there's mm -hmm. a lot that are, that are being considered uh, and tested right now. Um, the, uh, and the starting point is really to, to recognize that airports have been leaders in this already. And then you look at automated people mover systems um, that are very, very common at airports. But that's on a track, like you were saying. That's a it's on a, it's on a track. It's in a controlled environment, but it's you know it's a fully automated transportation system. Um, so you know, obviously, that's looking backwards. Looking forward, it's much more dynamic. You know, there's and and there's 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 really airside terminal and ground side applications. So, you know, airports are, it's still very early days, um, but there's a ton of interest because there's real problems to solve, whether it's, you know, labor shortages or the need for precision, um, the need to improve efficiency, all those things. Um, and the technology is rapidly emerging. So, you know, some, some of the things on the air side that, that are happening are, particular, you know, a lot, of, a lot of interest in, in automating baggage and cargo movement. Um, particularly, you know, pre-containerized package, you know, cargo, um, and you know, there's even you know, looking at delivering, you know, the food and 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 catering services to to the to the to the airplanes. Um, there's also things like um, snow plows, um, autonomous snow plows being developed that you know could get out there and um, you know and, and 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 address those issues in a very efficient way. Within the um, within within the terminal itself, there's a there's a lot of things around maintenance. Um, you know, autonomous, not not very glamorous, but you know, autonomous floor cleaners and things like that. Oh no, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, autonomous delivery uh, delivery bots. You know, we already have 
autonomous bots and hospitals that are delivering equipment and medical supplies through, uh, you know, that are need to be tightly controlled, but through a semi-public environment. Uh, and so, you know, you see a lot of gear going through security checkpoints now, you know, whether it's food or, uh, you know, retail products and, and um, you know, there's a person that's physically having to do that. Um, and so there's opportunities to do, to do that as well. Um, so basically uh, there's more than just uh, shuttling people back and forth. You mentioned it like now it's just, it's actually transporting cargo supplies, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever else it's yeah. it be more than that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, broadly there's, you know, there's moving people, there's moving goods mm -hmm. and there's maintenance or kind of service uh, activities. And, and all of those are up for automation. Um, so yeah, there's quite a, quite a bit. And then, you know, there's the whole, the whole ground side is all about, um, you know, the, the passenger access to the airport. Um, and that's something we can talk much more in detail about because there's a lot of, a lot of interesting potential there and a lot of big implications for airport there. So looking at it in, in terminal and, and you said ground basically is the two areas that where there are uh, prime for applications of, of it's uh, airside terminal and ground side or lands, you know, land side is more of like outside the terminal on the, on the, you know, on the public facing side. And what could, what could you see something from within the terminal? Uh, I, I know uh, there are some robots, I think, uh, robotics, I think where um, I'm, I'm speaking to one soon that they're going to have a, a robot that ba basically just, you know, paces the terminal looking to sell whatever or deliver things, <laughs> you know, is it coming something like that or probably a little more elevated? Um, I, I think those sorts of things are going to be the things you see first. It's, you know, it's going to be the, autom the automated floor cleaners and, 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 and delivery bots. Um, and, um, you know, potentially moving, moving people, um, you know, like, you know, people who are uh, physically disabled or, sure. yeah. you know, there are those carts that are running through, but you know, those are, uh, there's a lot, there's work to be done there to prove proof of concept, particularly on those things where you're in sometimes very crowded environments and, um, you know, sometimes it gets a little sketchy when there's a human driver, <laughs> those things. I, I know. <laughs> and, um, you know, you wonder if the robot could be pushy enough to get through a crowd in a, in a busy concourse. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I guess that's why you probably test it in the most extreme environments first, right? Or, I mean, I, I don't know if you can think of every possible scenario out there to test it. So it's probably best to uh, put A lot of testing, yeah. A lot of testing, a lot, a lot of piloting. You know, the one thing about, well, really any public environment, but airports in particular and public, public sector um, in particular has a very low tolerance for, for failure. Um, and you know, you think about an airport and you know, the, the implications of a security breach of hitting yes. an airplane, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're massive. The, the downsides are massive. So, so it's all about right now we're in very much in a mode of piloting these ideas, testing the, these ideas under, you know, tightly, tightly supervised conditions mm -hmm. and, 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 and making sure they're, they're robust enough for, for, for widespread application. As you probably know, um, you know, every environment's different. Um, and we have a saying in airports, once you've seen one airport, you've seen one airport. And I'm sure everything is going to be customized depending on uh, on the location. So is it a, a matter of a team going in advance, mapping things out, and okay, the, the robot or the vehicle is going to perform this, this um, task and kind of just mapping out where the obstacles are, what the challenges are, things like that? Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some level of localized mapping that has to happen, and certainly, you know, the 
determining what is what is the task of of, of the autonomous vehicle and and programming that effectively, uh, and um, you know they have to they have to learn the world they're going to be operating in. So there's a lot of mapping um, work that goes in behind uh, behind AVs or in front of AVs, I should say, to sort of make sure that they know exactly where they are at all times and that there's backup systems if if some of their sensors fail. So there's uh, continuous so learning then, yeah, it, it, like if things move. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, certainly for the first applications, initial applications, they're going to be for specific use cases. You know, a tug that's pushing an airplane out, or a or a baggage cart moving, uh, you know, moving moving a load from one place to another. Um, and that'll all need to be basically, you know, programmed and 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 and, and, and learned uh, for that specific application in that specific location in whatever conditions that it's going to be operating in. So my other question is, you mentioned AI and emerging tech. And uh, again, I'm approaching this from a completely naive standpoint. Um, you know, the, you mentioned how security could be breached and, and security issues. You know, with all new forms of tech, it always raises more questions because of the, of the security environment of airports. Is there, you know, cybersecurity is a big thing now. Is there a, a weakness or an opportunity maybe or something that, that could leave things vulnerable with the merging of these types of tech or not? Yeah, I mean, I think with this, with, with autonomous technology in general, um, and I probably with all technology in general, there's, there, there, there's risks and opportunities. And um, you just have to, you have to balance those. So, you know, within the autonomous vehicle space, cybersecurity is, is, a, is a top, top concern. You know, anytime if the vehicle is communicating to some external party, um, there is the risk of, of something going wrong, some kind of hacking. I mean, we've seen hackers take over connected vehicles already. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's the industry has to get in front of that. And I'm not an extrovert in AI or cybersecurity, but I, from more from the user side, know that if those problems are not you know, if those problems are not addressed and, 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 and addressed well ahead of time, then it just not, it's just not going to take off. So there are some risks, you know, of somebody taking over a vehicle, perhaps. I mean, there's some really scary scenarios out there that you can dream up. Uh, but there's also, I think, a lot of positive opportunities on the security front when you start to take some of the, the when you take some of the human aspect out of it. You also have a, when you also have much, uh, much more of a detailed, you have more control over what the vehicle does. It's more predictable. It's also collecting a ton of data along the way so that if something does go wrong, you can figure out, you can, you can get much faster what actually happened while it wrong. Um, And just, just taking human error out of the equation, you know, or replacing it with, with what will need to be a much, much higher level of, 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 of of safety from in, in a rope, but that alone will will have a very positive impact on security. So you mentioned earlier, you know, the different types of uh, tasks that autonomous vehicles could perform. And usually advances like this could displace a group of people because it eliminates one layer of the workforce, right? And even though, even though in, at the same time, it's really creating an opportunity for another layer of the workforce. Can, can you address that? Yeah, this is a, a really common issue and concern in, in the space, and it's a valid one. Um, I wouldn't discount it, but I, I would also say that like all, like all labor over, you know, over the millennia, that it, uh-huh. it has to adapt and we have to help 
you know, we have to retrain people. We have to be, you know, we are, we need to be looking at how, you know, how the labor force needs to change and help accommodate that. And it will change. I mean, there may be, you know, there's, there's certainly going to be more of a need for uh, people to be monitoring the systems and being able to repair these systems and program these systems. Um, You know, it's, 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 you know, if it's an autonomous vehicle that's carrying passengers, the driver might still need to stay on the vehicle, but just be repurposed more as a customer service person uh, and security person. Um, And so, um, you know, and, and and the other thing that in the in the broader lens of of, of of autonomous vehicles is the the opportunity for disruption to uh, in, just in any kind of business models and just commerce in general is so great that um, you know there are there are going to be new plenty of new opportunities new markets, um, new markets and new and, and you know new new value created that will need employment to serve it. Think of I I, I equate an autonomous like a fully autonomous vehicle to to a smartphone on wheels and think of you know the smartphone when it was introduced we had no idea what industries it was going to disrupt and how it was going to disrupt them and we look back now and it's like oh my god you know all of these things yeah. all of these industries media dating whatever has completely transformed and we there's no way we could have foreseen that and so we put that same level of of transformation on a physical you know, mobile object that mm. can do tasks. Um, you know, we can dream about all the things that 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 they're going to do, but there, we know that there's unknown unknowns here. And and I like to look at that. You know, both there's positives and negatives. There's things we need to be conscious of and mitigate against. But more importantly, I think there's there's just tremendous new opportunity that's going to be created. Yeah, it's it's kind of like there was, an, and I mentioned this before in other episodes, where there was an article, I believe, on Walmart, where they were deploying uh, in some stores, you know, robots who perform redundant tasks, you know, cleaning the floor, replenishing shelves, whatever, whatever it is, because then it would free up those uh, workers to do something else, you know, greet people, do customer service, etc. And it, I guess it's just a, a fact of life, especially with as quickly as technology is moving, <laughs> we got to be prepared. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no doubt it's a, it's a little scary that, I mean, every industry is automating. I mean, the, you know, the bank tellers are on their way out, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 the ticket agents are, are on their way out The you know, it, it, it toll takers. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> industry in general is driving us, you know, towards the need for more efficiency and, you know, in, in, in our society that the human is the most, usually the most expensive component of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so personally feel we have to, you know, we have to help people adapt to that. We need to recognize the implications on our society. And that's, that's, that's a larger societal responsibility in our education yeah. system and all of that. But um, at the same time, yeah, new opportunities are going to be going to be created as well. It's it's a it's a it's you know it's not just AVs. There's a massive wave of automation that's happening. You know, in every industry. So, will airports around the world, uh, rightly or wrongly, they're often being portrayed as being light years ahead of us here in the states, right? So, uh, but going with that, are there airports, uh, you know, around the world who are using this technology, and if so, how? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think I think some of the leaders are are certainly outside the U.S. Uh, Singapore is is of course <laughs> acknowledged as being the, the 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 top one as they are in many many things, mm-hmm. especially in the in the airport space. So you know they're they're testing um, 
you know, a lot of these things like, you know, the, the baggage systems that we've been talking about or the baggage delivery, the, the maintenance, uh, uh, vehicles, the you know, using autonomous vehicles to move equipment around or parts around on the airfield, so, um, and so, they're they're actually designing you know a terminal, uh-huh. really to 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 well their their current new terminal terminal four they are using as a test bed, and then they're designing their new terminal terminal five to to really embrace automation. So I'm not trying to get political or anything like that, or, or have you put your politics hat on but you know what's the resistance here then uh if it seems to be easily adapted or, or advanced there i mean changi is, is is a green new airport so maybe they are able to do that um that might be the difference but um, again i'm just wondering what the resistance could be um yeah i mean I, i'll i'll stay away from the politics side but <laughs> certainly the you know we have a very very low risk tolerance um you know in the public sector you know it's there's a real conflict that's created um, the tech industry failing is a, is a badge of honor. You know, you learn from it, you fail fast, you learn from it, you adapt and you improve and you move on. And when you're, um, you know, when you're a public agency, if you're a public airport, uh, and you're, 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 you're spending, you know, millions of public dollars and you're directly impacting, you know, people's quality of life. Uh, you know, we, and we don't have a lot of faith in our government, frankly, you know, you see that. And so, you know, nobody wants to be no no airport operator wants to be somebody that gets a little too far out there, takes a risk, <laughs> something go wrong, and be on the front page of the newspaper and be looking for a job. Well, you know, Sam, SFO might be one of the first ones because they they're pretty progressive in that, mm-hmm. <laughs> being with the proximity to uh, Silicon Valley and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it takes one to step out, and as as I know in this industry before, everyone says I want to do that too. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I think, I think it's, 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 it's prudent to, you know, um, you know, proceed really carefully, uh, incrementally. Um, and I think, you know, SFO has done, has done that in a lot of areas. Um, and, 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 you know, th- there's models for it in our context, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying, let somebody else beta <laughs> test. And when it's proven, then, then you bring it in when it's ready. Yeah. It's just that nobody wants to be that canary in the, in the mind, right? <laughs> they don't right. want either one to prove uh, to prove it right or wrong, basically. So well, um, wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I got so a couple more questions uh, for you. One, um, there's a long-term impact, right? There must be that's going to affect the air travel. And they, they used to say that trains and cars will take people out of planes. It, can there be something similar with autonomous vehicles over such long distances? Uh, I, I, I don't think there's a huge risk there of replacing um, uh, a- aviation for trips. I mean, you see how, how aviation is, continues to explode in Europe. We know that has a robust train system. Yeah. Um, the time is, is, is just unbeatable, um, you know, particularly if you have good connections from the airport to the activity centers. Um, I think what's more interesting is to think about what the aviation or what the air passenger experience could be with ground side autonomous vehicles. Cause basically you could extend the, the, the curated and branded part of the trip to door to door. You know, you've seen, you've seen Virgin, you know, do this with the, with, you know, they'll pick you up. If you fly in the upper class, they'll pick you up in a black car. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine that you get off the plane and you, or, you know, even before, you know, the beginning of your trip, you know, a branded vehicle picks you up, you begin your experience, your, you know, uh, your, your curated experience 
soon as you get out of your front door and that can, continues until you get to your destination and maybe even during your trip if you're on vacation maybe it's a a, 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 a you know a virgin branded autonomous vehicle that's effectively your your rental car while you're there uh, and so you know in terms of the the way that the airlines are you know work so hard to inspire brand loyalty and mm-hmm. to provide um, you know a curated consistent experience they have the potential to extend that outside the terminal front door. That's true. Well, it's still $30 for a carry on, but for, for, for <laughs> but yes, there's, there, there's chances that and it's funny. Cause like a, I had a colleague of mine just mentioned to me about an article that said um, there is a service, I think it's blade that will actually pick you up on a rooftop, I guess that will helicopter you to JFK. So you can bypass all that wonderful uh, Manhattan traffic um, directly, which I, I, I guess that could be an extension of or a translation of this uh, automated vehicle experience with the carriers you're saying. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be different experiences at different price points. We see that more and more in, in, in a lot of industries now. So this would create the opportunity to, to do that in, in different ways and for you know extended portions of the trip. I have less confidence in the, in the, um, you know, the, the, the air taxi uh, realm. Uh, but we'll see, you know, there's a lot of people working on that too. I just, uh, I, I, I think, uh, there's tremendous amount of potential on the ground and, and it's easier to solve some of the the challenges and has some of the fewer negative impacts. Excellent. So my last question for you, uh, if you can please look into your crystal ball, you know, what does the landscape look like for airports with autonomous vehicles in, you know, five, 10 years or so have we will be you, you mentioned that the um that the technology is advancing do you think we'll be to a point where some airports here stateside will have adopted some form of it i think so i think so i mean certainly when you look at a five-year time frame hopefully some of that some of that beta testing and early adoption will be proven out mm-hmm. um and and it and you've got to think that you know, some of those technologies and some of the more basic ones like floor cleaners, you know, those, we can do those today. Um, So, you know, there will be some more of those and probably in baggage movement, uh, probably in, you know, airfield maintenance and things like that. um, For sure. uh, I would expect, and I don't, I think it'll go quite fast once people, once there's a demonstration that the proof of concept works and it's safe and it's reliable and it's cheaper, more efficient, and more effective than what we do today. Um, so it's just a matter of time of those, some of those successful pilots really, really catching on. And I think once they do, in many situations, the economics will be a no brainer. Um, and so it, they'll move, it'll move fast. So certainly within five years, I would expect to see elements of, of, of AVs coming into different components of the airport. I think on the, on the land side is maybe more of the 10 year play. Um, you know, I think that's the area where it's, uh, very, uh, you know, we know we're going to be living in a period of kind of gradual adoption of autonomous vehicles. Uh, it's not going to be a, f- switch that's flipped overnight both because of the technology takes time to develop and vehicle fleets take time to turn over but i think within 10 years you definitely would be getting you know full fully level four level five perhaps more likely level four autonomous vehicles that can operate you know without a human backup system within a designated area so say between an airport and the downtown or within certainly within an airport environment um, 
you know, being a significant component of a passenger's experience to and from and within the airport. Yeah, I, I think within 10 years, we'll see quite a bit of that. Excellent. Well, Will, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Sure. It's been fun. I want to thank Will for taking the time to share his expertise on autonomous vehicles. And also, if you like this episode, please make sure to listen to our growing library of content. They're all still great, relevant, and compelling. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Or if you want to listen on your computer, just go to airportxnews.com slash podcast. Also, don't forget to get your copy of the Airport Experience News magazine. June was our big retail issue, and July will be the first of our two annual issues dedicated to food. Make sure to subscribe at airportxnews.com. And once again, thanks for listening.